This season on the St. Andrews Inspire and Innovate podcast, we are taking an up-close and personal look into accountability. In previous episodes, we've discussed how to reframe accountability and debunk the negative connotation that comes with it. We dug into student accountability, and we heard from the Upper School Honor Council on their role and how it fits into the student accountability puzzle. In this week's episode, we are going to look into the role that parents have in this puzzle. First, Michelle Portera, one of our first grade teachers, talks with Jim Foley. He's an upper school history teacher and St. Andrews History Department chair. And Honey May, one of our kindergarten teachers, who's also a parent of a St. Andrews student. Join us as they discuss what parent accountability looks like as the dynamic duo where the partnership between teachers and parents develop. Later in the episode, I chat with Frances Croft, a St. Andrews parent and member of SAPA, our parent organization, as well as Julie Russ, our very own assistant head of school for teaching and learning, about what parent accountability means to them, what the role and responsibilities look like as a parent of school-aged children, and how the role changes through the different developmental stages. How can accountability between a parent and a teacher be mutually respectful? What are those things that a teacher needs for a parent to do or not to do? What are the things that kind of cross the line as far as like how much they're asking for? Maybe too many emails or or maybe a parent seems to be falling short in some way. What are the things that teachers need parents to know? Jim, can you speak to it at mm-hmm. the upper school level? Sure, I, I would be happy to. Um, I think the first thing is we want parents to encourage their students, their sons and daughters, and to give them emotional support and and help. But um, I think that the, the, the classic concern one always has is when you talk about helping too much is be careful about, let's say, helping students with their homework or writing uh, papers or something like that. That that can be problematic. It's perfectly acceptable, for example, um, you know, to have a a parent who would say, look, I'm going to have um, my son or daughter, excuse me, have a, a nice quiet place to study. And I think that that is really important. And also to encourage uh, their children to have time away from their electronic devices um, where they can focus on their work. Uh, Unless, of course, they're using, um, let's say, a cell phone for a particular assignment. But I think it's good to unplug and to have a quiet work area where they where students can get their work done. Um, I think that is very helpful. Do you have any um, suggestions for teachers who may need to have a hard conversation with a parent? Do you have any go-to phrases or any ways that you um, can word things that are graceful and kind and compassionate and carry the weight of the message? There are. Um, is there a specific example that you were thinking of? Yes. Let's say that you continue to remind a parent that 
their child needs a homework routine, needs a homework routine. (laughs) Um, And you know, you can tell it's just not happening over time. Mm -hmm. What I, I think, I think the best thing for a teacher to say is to encourage, uh, encourage parents to, um, to make sure that that environment occurs at home because in the long run it works to the benefit of the student. Um, The student will be able to improve as a learner by having that kind of environment where homework gets done. And I think think just to really remind parents of that because it really gets back to what we were talking about at the beginning of our conversation and that is we want students to really develop uh, as learners and as Mm self-starters so that they can get going on their own Um, and I don't know does that yes because I feel like when you make sure that everyone understands the why behind it Mm -hmm. that it's easier to get on board and of course the parent would want to be on board they understand the why yeah um so yeah and i think just another point too is is that of course as students move through the uh the now four divisions of saint andrews for us in the upper school we are preparing students for the next chapter in their lives which takes them away from saint andrews to college, where in all likelihood, they're going to be living away from home, and they are going to be living on their own, and they will have to establish a routine. So that means they need to have time management skills. And they also need to be able to make some very hard choices when they're in college, because as as all of us know, when you go to college, you're going to be surrounded by temptation. You'll have friends and classmates and hallmates who will ask, hey, do you want to go see a movie? Do you want to go out tonight? And students have to be able to say, well, no, I have a paper that I have to write or there's a test for which I'm studying. And, And so I think having that preparation first in the home and then reinforced at school really helps uh, students carry that self-discipline over to college and then of course into later life when they're out in the workforce. Mm -hmm. Absolutely and Jim I have to say I feel like all of those habits start in kindergarten or and really before Um, when a child enters the classroom those first few weeks you know they're learning the morning routine and their responsibilities such as hanging your bag on the hook, doing your lunch clip. And I've had parents say, well, why do they have to do a lunch clip if they brought their lunch? Well, it's important for them to take responsibility for them to let me know that, yes, I brought my lunch, and yes, I remembered to put the clip on the appropriate spot, and it's just part of the morning routine so that the lunch count is correct and all these things. Um, So, and the accountability part, you know, and 
whatever the activity is on the table when they come in in the morning. If, if it's not completed, well, let's think about why it wasn't completed. Were we, did, were we just playing the whole time? Were we talking to our neighbor? Or did we come in a few minutes late and we didn't have as much time as everybody else? Um, and there's always a different reason. Um, but I think all of those things, those healthy habits and routines, they really need to start as early as possible. Um, so that they can be self-sufficient adults that are good citizens. So what you're saying, it's about the process. It's not about the product or the end result or the clip chart. It's about the process that goes into that and, and learning how to think about things so that ultimately they get to the point, Jim, that you were describing of where they can choose school as a priority and say, I have a paper to write or something to study for. It makes sense when you look at it as a progression like that. Mm-hmm. What does accountability mean? I think that accountability is really a two-way street. and It is very much rooted in the idea of a partnership. And that would be um, the parents uh, helping their students uh, to mature as learners Uh, as well as young adults. And then also for us who are on the faculty to also be there to help in the development of of our parents' children as learners and as young adults as well. So I, I see it as really a partnership. Hi everyone, it's Julie Rust here. After hearing from these amazing two teachers about the relationship between the parent and faculty dynamic, we're ready to hear from some parents. Behind the threshold of one's home, how do parents see their role in the development of the students that walk our school hallways every day? Rachel and I, both parents, are joined by Frances Croft. Enjoy. Oh, you were talking about self-accountability and like accountability for oneself. And I did, I had read this thing um, where they were talking about three layers of accountability for students, like from the student perspective. It was their self-accountability, which is what they need to develop into adulthood so that they do have that as they're, you know, working on their own and out on their own. And they even talked about it when Jim was talking about how that's our ultimate goal of like moving them into like where they're going to be functioning adults like off at college and having to make their own decisions and um, you know do I study for this test or do I go hang out with my friends you know those type of things Um, and then when that self-accountability isn't developed the second level is the parent accountability and that support and then to support the parents as they support the students the teachers are also partnering Mm -hmm. with them to do that so it's like those three levels like it scaffolds Mm -hmm. as that support structure until they're off to kind of launch onto their own so that's what it made me think of when you were talking about like really that self-accountability, like we're being accountable to ourselves and it, the links to integrity. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes me think like really we're talking about two things today in relation to parents and accountability. And one is like, how do we foster it in our kids? And the second is how can we ourselves be accountable or what does that even mean? Like we're not turning in assignments to our teachers anymore. Um, but is there a level of accountability as parents? I need it. I mean, and it's, it's, I always talk to folks about things like reading logs, which I, I was such a fraud, <clears throat> you know, 
different philosophies about it abound. But the truth is, if I'm not required to put in that my daughter read 20 minutes a day, I may not be great at enforcing that she reads 20 minutes a day. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Thoughts on either of those. I think that's the thing. It's not It's not your job Yeah. to see that she reads 20 minutes a day. That's her job. I've already been to third grade. We've done that part. I've done Check. That. My job is to ensure that my children have the time and space mm. and the ability to mm-hmm. do their homework. Yeah. It is their job to do their homework. Right. And so that's our philosophy at our house is that you do your homework. Mm. That's your job. I have a job. Justin has a job. Yep. Our job as a family is to take care of our many animals. But it sounds like we have a farm. <laughs> We have three dogs and two cats, and we, you know, take care of grandmas, and we do that, you know, and we... You're pretty busy. Yeah, yeah we, we're busy, and we take out the trash, and we try to keep the dirty dishes at a normal level. Oh. You know, but it's like, that's our family's job, but their their homework is their job. Yeah. And so, I don't, we don't check their homework behind them. Yeah. Um, we check their, you know, we don't harp on grades. We don't harp on any of that kind of stuff. We check behind them as far as, you know, occasional spot checks on for the middle school. They have an online system where you can check and see what their grades are, what their assignments are. So at the beginning of middle school, there was some spot checking to make sure that the things were actually getting done. Mm, Um, And then in the lower school, different grades have different systems as far as my second grader right now has a system where they send the planner home and the parent has to initial right. yeah. that the, the, that you have read the planner. And so Catherine and I, are, if it's my day to sign it or Justin signing it, then we don't have a system. It's just whoever is available. Um, she brings it to and sign it and talk to her about her homework. And there's, you know, maybe a spot check every now and again to make sure that it's getting done. But again, that's, that's her job. And so right. if, and again, if she gets into the math and she doesn't understand the math, she circ- we say circle it and take it back mm-hmm. to the teacher because it's the teacher that needs to know that she doesn't understand right. it. Right. It's not she doesn't need me to explain it to her because first of all, I'm probably gonna do it here. <laughs> yeah, so what I what I noticed yeah. on that is like when accountability actually like roots in responsibility. Like what yeah. are your responsibilities and then yeah. who are you going to be accountable to? They're accountable so, to themselves. So that's the, they know yeah. that. And so we very rarely get down in there with them on that. And we're that's not to say we just send them adrift. Right. But they own that. Yeah. And so they have owned that since they were very little. And um, I think St. Andrews really does a good job of helping us with that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, you know, we're not allowed to bring up missing homework or missing right. projects. I do love that. Um, and, you know, occasionally I might read over something that they've written. And, yeah, of course my hand with my red pen and I'm a... It's itching, right? It's, I'm itching <laughs> to get in there and fix that for them. And I do not do it. Ugh, my children won't even let me read it. That's what kills me. I don't get to very often. I'm like, I just dude, I'm an English teacher. Yes, but that's... And I'm, <laughs> I do not want no mom. No, it, <laughs> Stay is, away. it is not our job. One thing that I know that y'all had asked about was do we have a story relating to students and fostering accountability? Um, My oldest kid had a project about a year and a half ago and it had a very strict rubric Mm -hmm. as to the grading. And it said, you know, you have to have two sentences explaining this and three on that and this and that. It was a very long project for science. 
and it was kind of their first project that was like mm-hmm. that. And he spent a really long time on this project, and he is not a procrastinator at all. He gets that from Justin. Um, <laughs> they just, I mean, he started on that project the day it came home from school. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so he had spent a long time on it, and then when the grade came back, he did not get his wanted. normal. Yeah. Because yeah. this oldest kid, our kids are very different from each other, but the, he did not get his normal, what he likes to get, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. again, that's his business, his grades, not my grades. I don't, I am not in, you know, sometimes we hear the like, who is your teacher? And I'm like, I don't have a teacher. Ben has <laughs> I love it. Like, I already did sixth grade. Ben's teacher is Mr. Smith or whatever. So <laughs> Ben's grade came back on the project and he was, I could tell he was um, not thrilled, yeah. but it was because in the grading rubric, you know, and I had seen that before he turned it in and said, you know, you really need to make sure you go back through that grading rubric. Do you know how much he learned from that project? He learned so much more from that than he did from me going behind him and saying, you need data sense. You need data sense. You need yeah. to change that. That's accountability. We had so, that exact experience this so, year in a sixth grade yeah, project. That's, um, that's when you learn that. Except not, I will say I was so yeah. uninvolved, I didn't even know there was a root. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I did not have to hold back because I was so uninvolved. Yeah, same. And, and I just happened to look over his shoulder at the last So, I mean, but what's so fascinating about that in the course, you know, Rachel and I having sort of this like weird, and really you too, Francis, weird insider, outsider vibe. Yeah. So I know this teacher well, we like collaborate often. Yes. And she had all of this fantastic and interesting sort of reflection about the process because she, in a way, felt terrible that some of these students weren't, like, that did these great projects. She should not. They hadn't included the reflective piece or whatever they had, you know. Yeah, exactly. It was exactly. like you said, it was like missing a tiny component on the rubric, but then when you added up uh-huh. the grades. And I said to her, like, learning that rubrics exist is a very age-appropriate sixth grade lesson to encounter. Like, yes, and there yeah. may not have been rubrics like this until sixth grade. So failing though will make it stick. Like, and yes. not failing like failing like F, but failing like, like, like he got a C. Like he's I, fine. I think yeah. <laughs> I think all is well and like in yes. the scope of life, all good. But it sounds like Francis. Like, what's so ironic about this conversation is what you're saying is like healthy, like almost like boundaries or like. That's your job. Distance yeah. is just as much of our job as warmth, love, involvement, help, support. Yeah. And the right. It's the, the two support. things in tandem, which is I, crazy. I hope it is. Uh, I worry sometimes because, you know, we are all very connected. In a smaller school, especially, you're very connected with other parents. And I know that this is not how all do it and that's fine different families have different ways and different children have different needs for sure that's yeah yeah, that's exactly it i know that was a big thing with us like i i have three boys and then my my only girl is our youngest and it was very easy to foster i think that accountability in my boys because they didn't struggle a lot with content you know like those self-regulation and Mm -hmm. time management things like that that was never a fight Mm -hmm. like I didn't have to invest a lot of extra time with additional supports because that came so easily to them um I have you know my student that's at Mississippi State College he was a huge reader you know and I didn't have to fight that battle with him to get him to read non-stop and I couldn't keep books fast enough for you know but that was because he loved it and you know like he was in that mode and he looked for those opportunities to show his responsibility yeah. and ability and then the baby girl comes along 
and it's a totally another ball game. Yeah. You know, like we've been struggling since preschool. Yeah. <laughs> so we, I, can, I can't tell you how much I understand that. So we have three very different children with very different abilities. Yeah. And very different backgrounds. Yeah. One that is, it's a challenge to keep him challenged. Mm -hmm. We have one that has ADHD and we have one that has dyslexia, yeah. but is also gifted. So it's a very yes. like you have all of these. We have points. Uh, oh yeah, like yeah. each one was like you think you have that figured. Out. <laughs> Here's a different definition. Just kidding, right? Just kidding. So I, I really do. I see where you're coming yeah. from. Like it is very different and takes a different level of, within that. Like this right. job, it's a different level, and our accountability has been interesting with the school as far as when you're talking about teacher accountability yeah, yeah. of meeting the school where the school is about like where is your accountability as a school right yes. for these different learners yes so that has been a very interesting journey as far as advocating for our kids. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes we are not involved in their homework but we are very involved right in their schooling and their learning and yes that, that education experience because yeah. that is where i think our job is as parents is being their advocates yeah. yeah, it's okay. true. It's very true. So say more about what that looks like. I'm interested in terms of a, a, a concrete kind of like, are we meeting with teachers? Are we emailing? Uh, we have fabulous learning facilitator at middle school. I think I saw y'all meeting yesterday. Um, so, so tell me about like, how have you established, you know, if, if our role as parents is not to micromanage their homework, but it is to serve as an advocate with school leaders, particularly when there's a learning difference or when we think the supports aren't already there. What does that look like in a, in a sort of positive, I think you're a great example of, of someone in the school that is giving, 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 right, in so many ways, and we should also hit on that a little bit, how you volunteer and, and serve in so many variety of ways, but also then this flip that you just did of also as parents, we hold the school accountable, yeah. we hold educators accountable, etc. Yeah, I saw a thing one time that said that, you know, your teachers do know your kids so well, and I cannot, there's no way that I can state how much respect that we have in our family for teachers. Um, my mother was a teacher, Justin's mom was a teacher. You know, we have such huge respect for teachers. Um, and also, I don't think that anybody knows your kid like you know your kid. And so you may see more than they see, because yeah. especially I think, interesting with you know, a youngest daughter, they, they I think especially hold it together at school and then come home and right. you, see, you see the fall apart. And then also we would see, you know, when middle, I mean, you just see other things about like, hold it together at school and then come home and fall. Right. Yeah. So it's almost like two sides of a coin. Like yeah. they are one mm -hmm. version of themselves uh -huh. at school so they can't. And then they get home yeah. to that ultra safe. They know that's their yes. safe zone. Yeah. They can yes. just yeah. be who or what they need at that moment. And it sometimes is a totally different picture. Yeah. And that business that St. Andrews talks about the schoolwork is supposed to be challenging, but it's not supposed to be possible. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we've just over the years had to occasionally step up and say, Something's not something. Something didn't feel right here. Mm -hmm. Is that but from like that book, Madeline? Yeah, you know, like Miss Clavell. Mm -hmm. Like something is not right. Something is not right. Um, <laughs> you know, and so advocate for. I think we need to delve deeper into this. Yeah, 
um, is something going on. Yeah. You know, yeah. with the dyslexia testing, mm-hmm. like, oh, two screeners, she busted two screeners, but yeah, yeah she seems great here. But, yeah. you know, and school is always very supportive of that. Um, I do think that over the years, you know, having over the last decade for sure the amount of improvement in that area has been impressive to watch you know um, none of our kids learn to read very easily Mm. Um, and so seeing the progress in that area has been really really good Um, so I think it's just trusting trusting the teachers trusting the process and also looking at your kid and knowing yes. that if yeah. you feel that something's not right, right, listening to that and at that point reaching out. I think, man, those communication pieces mm-hmm. are it's so... The communication. That's it's the communication. such a That's gift. what I say. It's yeah. the communication I mean, that's critical. Yeah. I had a really hard very first year teaching like many first year teachers do and I was, you know, 20 and I was like tiny and I looked like I was five years old. You know, all of these things. Probably right? the same as my first year as a baby yeah. lawyer. Same, same. Baby Looked lawyer, about baby 12. teacher. Yeah. We, we have some similar, the curly hair. Yeah. So, so it was a rough year and I had a lot of sort of conflict with parents because I didn't, and I didn't have kids yet, I didn't understand what a what a what a important partnership that was. And I didn't front load things the way they needed to be front loaded. I was really focused on the kids and I the parents were somewhere over there. You know, like I was so focused on the kids and the instruction. Yeah. And I had that very, I'll never forget that very first parent teacher conference, like in October, we just had them here. Um, I sat down with one amazing parent who ended up just being so helpful throughout. She had three kids I ended up having. And, and she said, Julie, I just want to, I just want to share with you the reality of our lives. <laughs> she just described the current phase of life now I'm in, <laughs> where she was like, here's what happens. We go home. We run one kid to baseball practice. We run yeah. the other kid to soccer. We quick eat dinner. Um, in the car. Summer, right, in the car. <laughs> yeah, the minivan is covered yeah. in the fit, whatever. And then, like, we get home, and then we learn about Mrs. Russ's homework for the night, which is always very rigorous. <laughs> and, like, lots of practice. Oh, boy, and, and rigorous? No, she didn't say Okay, I was about to say that's good, but, like, brutal. Oh, it's brutal. Like, is it, that it, impossible? It, to be fair, it was. Oh, dear. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I knew, but I didn't know. And then, and... And most importantly, and this is what goes into what you were saying about we know our kids, this particular learner, while she she was um, super charismatic, great at class talking, but her, her, her writing and processing, reading, reading there was some, some processing things went on. So everything took her five times longer than her peers. And so she, she so, I will never forget how kindly she walked me through the reality of her life, the reality of her daughter's experience with my and all I could do was just be like, my bad. <laughs> that, that is so helpful. Yeah. I had no idea about the rhythm of your life. I had no idea that what I thought was a quick paragraph rewrite took her an hour to even begin. You know, like it was just, and it was, it was such a lifelong moment for me. And, and I think I really did a whole lot better moving on in my career with having family literacy nights and bringing parents in so they could see what I was doing. Because it's a boat. it is a relationship where parents will hear one side and really assume some things about teachers, and teachers will see one side of a student and not know this rich other side. And or the neither, meltdown that happens when they and, get home. Or the meltdown they just, that happens. Yeah. But neither are lies. Neither are, like, right. they're both, but if, it's like the puzzle, right? Like, if you put it together, and then it's so, anyway, I, I just respect that so much, and I think it can be a courageous conversation 
to have. And yeah. of course, it can also be a very hard. I've also had other conversations with parents where they were essentially irrational and like it was we're not all, productive. We're all people. We're all in the love makes us a little the, well, and that's something too. Is like you never know on both sides. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going on in somebody else's house. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going on in that teacher's life. You don't right. know what's going on in their house. That's the spirit. Yeah. And you don't know what's going on in that family's life. So true. You don't know what's going on in that child's life. You don't know what's going on in their house. Yeah. So being and open. So, like yeah. going in mm-hmm. with an open mind, being willing to communicate and just and show grace. And like getting to know each other. Right. That yeah. communication. Piece. I that's something that I have found harder as the kids have gotten older. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a lot easier when the kids are little yeah. to get to know the teachers. First of all, they're fewer teachers. Yes, fair. Right? <laughs> um, at St. Andrews, you know, you, once they get in middle school, they start moving around the classes. And so yeah. there are, each child exponentially increases how many teachers they have. Yeah. And so not only does it make it complicated for holiday gifts, um, right. it, makes it, <laughs> it makes it complicated to get to know all of them. But I really think it's so important to, when you can to get to know your kids' teachers so that you yes. aren't just a name on the other end of the email. Right. They, you, everyone is a human. And, you know, it just puts you all in a little bit more perspective. Um, yeah. You know, when I was growing up, I'm an only child, and so it's a little bit different because mm. it's a little bit easier. There's a reality check of how much you can get, how much involvement you can have with, if every kid has five teachers, oh, right? Have three kids, you know, you want to know all of these 15 people. I've said an hour, so I'm gonna spend five minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, just this year, like, we didn't get into every classroom for back to school night. Right. And I was horrified. But at the same time, there was just, there's a logistical impossibility. Yeah, right. there's only so many minutes. Yeah, so I just, we just, we're all doing our best. And so right. I think if we just go into yeah. that with, everyone here is on team, we're doing our best if we right. can give ourselves that grace the benefit of the doubt that yeah. grace the benefit of the doubt it doesn't cost anybody anything you know we're all we're all trying our best here I, sometimes I just want to be like I, I real I realize this doesn't look like it right I, I'm horrified as well yes but this is our best for today this is our best tooth today well yes charitable charitable interpretation yeah. like that is the, the word of the day and it's hard yeah um but but what a gift well i know we our time is short i i, I wonder if we can spend a minute and shift a little from our children although that is kind of what why we're in that's it. the heart that is the heart of all of it but i think francis about your work with sap and your yeah. work in so many ways <laughs> starting as room mom and I, I'm, I just, I'd love to hear a little bit about sort of your philosophy toward what you as a parent give to the school and I don't know, thoughts why? for, for why, <laughs> what do you get out of it? Do you get anything out of it? Or are you just like amazing because you are just kind of amazing? <laughs> are you just a sucker and won't say no? Yeah. And then like, yeah. is there a case for, for others that don't? To do it, and if so, why? I mean, yeah. just what is the meaning of it all besides like St. Andrews getting free, brilliant minds to help? So, okay, I think part of it is I grew up with a very strong example of parents who volunteered, mm-hmm. um, and so I do kind of come from a place of like this is just what you do. This is part of life. Um, yeah. My dad said that his mom said if you support an organization, you don't just write a check; you show up. Mm-hmm. Anything that's worth like anything that's worth doing, anything that's worth being involved in needs your time. Yeah. And so this is very important. This is a very important place beautiful. to us and to our family. Um, so there we are. Yeah. It does help with getting to know your children's teachers. So it's two for sure. two for yeah. on that yeah. one. 
Um, I love this place. It's so fun. So volunteering is, is with, with Sappa and with St. Andrews yeah. is generally really fun. I mean, I'm not saying it's all fun. Like, sometimes it's hard work. I was counting, t- <laughs> counting t-shirts the other day. I was like, some of the gray, right? I think we cupcakes one day. Oh, and, and I, I poured them, them, I poured them all like, down my shirt. <laughs> and then I had to go to meetings all day long. Oh, and there was friends. no There was no chance there to tidy. No there was no tidy chance. But, you know, this is. That was funny too. So you know, it's making memories, and yeah. the and the thing is that your kids see you doing that mm-hmm. because I saw my parents doing yeah, it's that. Beautiful, yeah. And they know that you are making their lives and the things that they are involved in a priority, and they take that with them. Yeah. And I know it sticks because I, I know I saw my parents, and I know it's stuck for me. Yeah. Um. So that's a big part of it. I just want to interject and say that I think this piece of the conversation has a whole lot to do with the very first piece of the conversation in which you said, my kids know what their job is. Yeah. It's not my job. And they do their job because yeah. they know that's their job. Well, I have this theory that the reason they do their job is because they see you doing your job, whether it is your actual job yeah. or like your volunteering job. And I do really think yeah. this like modeling of selflessness, service, accountability. Doing the thing you say you're going to do. You know, I did go to St. Andrews. So like there is this part that's like baked in about like being a community person, I also work for a nonprofit. <laughs> this is everywhere. This is not an accident. Um, and I, I think when it's disconnected, like when children don't see their parents mm-hmm. um, in that work mode and that in you know time investment mode, that there's a disconnect. So they don't see it. So they don't feel like they have to do it. You know, they're that accountability mm-hmm. to yeah. each other. You know, to each other as well. Well, yeah. When they do see you in it, I think it does add weight to it. I do have the benefit of having a flexible schedule, so I don't, I don't ever want to, you know. It's a privilege to be able privilege. to. It's a privilege, so I don't, you know, and not every parent has that, so that's, I want to make sure and call that out. Um, you know, SAPA, which is the Parent Association for St. Andrews, the school was started in 1947, and SAPA was started in 1949. Mm-hmm. It was originally called the Triangle Club, ah. and it was called the Triangle Club, and it had a little triangle as its emblem, huh. and it was an equilateral triangle, and it was shown, it was chosen to show the importance of the association of child, home, and school, wow. and it had chi- the child was at its apex, and the home and school were the two supporting points, uh, yeah. and the whole you know visual show of that was to show that both are equally important in supporting the child right and that we are all on the same team and the whole point of sapa and the whole point of the triangle club originally was for parents to be at school and to contribute their individual talents and to help the parents understand the aims and needs of the school and while the stated mission of sapa has changed over the years not by much yeah. right the whole That's point yeah the whole mission of sapa currently is i'm gonna read it just so i don't mess it up yeah. um it's an it's a let's see promote a closer and cooperation and unity of spirit among parents faculty and students by involving and enabling all parents to be of service to the school and the community. And I, as the chair last year, I put that on like our agenda and put it everywhere I could because the important part of that to me is enabling all parents to be of service to the school and the community um, and unity of spirit as well. And that has to do with 
no matter what your schedule is, no matter what your talents are, let's find a way to get you plugged in because it's so important. Right. And because it's so meaningful to your children, to your family, and to this community at, of St. Andrews. Yeah, the whole. The whole St. Andrews family. Um, and I do think that especially as times change and in a post-pandemic world where we really took you know space and time to look at how we spend our time, then finding ways for people to get plugged in mm -hmm. in different ways. Yeah. Um, whether you can come up to the school during the day or if you can't, that's fine. Um, but if you want to be in the classroom or if you if there's maybe you're going to help with some event or maybe you're not like where do you where do you plug in because SAPA does so much, there is a place for everybody. And so it's up to us to figure out a way to share that. Right. So whether you know last year we did a big social media push trying to mm -hmm. share out all the different ways we did we did stuff during the year just to help make it visible. Yeah, I think that helps new families too. I do. Yeah, yeah that sure. it's a great way. It's a great yeah. way to meet people and to feel feel included. Yeah, because you don't know what you don't know. And I remember when mm -hmm. we first became yeah. part. You know, last year was my children's first year at the school. My first year here, and like these events would come up and take place, and we're like. We didn't know this was coming. Like, this yeah. is coming out of this hard. We didn't know this hard. was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And there's so much communication, and you're just yeah. trying to kind of get lost sometimes. So you just want to, like, it's part of the fostering belonging. You know? Yes, it is. It yeah. is. So it's, we can always do better. We can yeah. always do better. A big thank you to everyone who sat down and talked about their thoughts revolving around this topic of parents and accountability. And make sure to tune in next week for our fifth episode of the season as we examine the intersection between accountability and faculty.